If you'd like to open to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 specifically, um, and we're just going to kind of be stuck there. We're not going to jump around too much in Scripture this morning because I want to I want to start a little bit where you are this week. Next week we'll jump more into Scripture. So this is a two-week series. Make it very short for you. But I wanted to start a little bit with uh, kind of a, an epiphany, right? Epiphany is something that totally changes your perspective. And I'll think, I think it's Bentley Jared maybe for this one. Oh, Bentley's paying attention now. Sometimes your eyes wander, right? Start looking around the room, seeing things, maybe for the first time. Sometimes, oh, hey, Brandon. Brandon, hey, can you put the, the lights like you had at the last song up? You know what I'm doing, Bentley? <laughs> you, see, you see that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle right there? Now, I hope that doesn't bother you every single time you come back into worship, but I think that's Raphael. Okay, turn it off because they're going to stare at it a long time. <laughs> Just mess with you. Now, now, whatever you do with that, that's on your hands. Uh, I also learned a couple weeks ago that apparently a hot dog is classified as a sandwich. This is official. What, Miriam Webster Dictionary? Miriam, I don't, I've never seen the lady, but apparently she has classified a hot dog as a sandwich. Did you know that? Another epiphany of mine. Totally mind-blowing. Blew me out. Had no idea that a hot dog was a sandwich. Apparently, you guys don't care. I care. This sermon that I uh, put together, I, we actually did this at our uh, um, ski trip this past uh, winter, and we called it Snow Code. And what we did is we looked at this golden rule, which I'm sure everybody's heard, and so that's why I want to start where you are today, this idea of do unto others as they would have you, as, as you would have them do to you, right? Not like Guy said, right? don't do to others before they can do to you, but we'll get into that. And so in our culture, I think most of us are going to be somewhat familiar with the golden rule because if nothing else, the teacher, our teachers said it a lot growing up. And even now, they'll use this phrase. But what I'll get to later is when Jesus said it, he meant something completely different than what we take it for. And so sometimes you, you look at the golden rule or things that Jesus said and we're, we're kind of caught in a rut. Of we just, okay, that, that's what Jesus meant, and we get stuck in it. Maybe even like our spiritual life, our walk with him, we just get caught in this thought, and we never get out of it. Which reminds me, uh, Dad used to take me three-wheeler riding, right? A little bit with Helvetti. Was that his last name? I don't know who this guy is, but he'd show up at our door every once in a while with the three-wheeler, and he and my dad would take off riding, and every once in a while, as I got older, I would be able to go with him. And so, Dad and Hilvetti, I think I was probably maybe 6th, 7th grade, I don't know. But they take off. And when I say take off, like, 
hey, 80 miles an hour down this field, right? I'm just kind of going along on this oil road. Oil roads kind of have a big crown in it. And it goes back to the oil fields where they could check them and everything. They take off. I'm trying to keep up with them. And there's this rut. And my, my left wheel gets caught in it. You know, I start vibrating a little thing. And I'm not going very fast because I'm like, I can't catch up. And I'm stuck in this rut. And this rut literally flips me over. And you would think the safest place to be would be on the road, right? On this path that you're normally traveling. Yet the safest place would have been for me to be over in the field, all the rubble, the stubble. But for some reason, that rut caught me, threw me off. Is it possible where you are today in your walk with Jesus that you've been caught in a rut that maybe isn't where Jesus wants you? without even knowing it is it possible that you've been maybe clueless on some things of what jesus wants for your life because you've just kind of done what you've always done because that's what you thought was supposed to be done and so today i'm asking you try and be open honest even with the song that we some of the songs that we've just got done singing focus in Hear God's word almost fresh for the new time. And it's hard. When you've heard the golden rule over and over, all throughout, mom telling you, hey, treat your brothers and sisters the way you you would want to be treated. It's like we get this pounded into our head without really fully realizing its potential. It's almost like I'm asking you uh, to brush your teeth with your opposite hand. Right? So if you really want to get an understanding of how you do things the way you do, like when you wake up, you know, you brush your teeth a certain way, try and do it with your opposite hand tomorrow morning. And the reason is, it makes you stop and think about whatever pattern is you think you're supposed to go in, right? And then you can transfer that. Your, your brain actually has to go through a whole new muscle memory exercise, So I'm asking you this morning, is there a way that you could do a whole new muscle memory exercise with your own life, your walk with Christ? So here it is, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now obviously, people cut out the first part and the last part. They just jump straight to the do to others what you would have them do to you, right? I mean, it simplifies it, as you could say it, it's just there and and ready to go. But I'm asking you, know what you're doing with this verse. Know where you are with it. Know what you can handle. And maybe like what Casey said, what are my next steps? Last week he talked about that. What are my next steps in my walk with Jesus? He's come, he's died for my sins, he rose from the grave. What is my next step? Because a lot of times we get into this idea of, what is my minimum step? Hey, what's the easiest way to be Christian? It's almost like we're asking that. What's the bare minimum I can get by and be Christian? So examine yourself this morning. Why is it that you do what you do? Why is your faith 
where it is now. How would you even know that you're in that rut? This is one of the most popular verses. And I'll also say one of the most understood. Here's what's amazing. This verse predates Jesus. Like I talk a lot about how Jesus is crazy smart. And he is. But this, this idea of do unto others as they would have, as you would have them do to you, uh, it's before Jesus. Confucius said it. You can see it with Hinduism, with Buddhism. Uh, all, all these other religions have some some tinge of this verse with them. And I would say even atheists would have, have this thought, this kind of, a, a, not life verse, but let's just be nice to each other. Emperor Alexander Servius, everybody knows him, 200 years after Jesus, inscribed this in his gold palace. Imagine, though, if this verse was actually lived out in your world, our country, town, school, church, But again, I don't think we really know what this verse means. Here's what I think everybody thinks it means. It's actually not the golden rule. We've, we've changed it to be the silver rule. And if you were here eight years ago, Chris Michaels enlightened me to this. The gold silver rule is more of a negative, self-protective, self-fulfilling aspect of this. I won't slap you because I don't want slapped. I would say that's a good rule to have at school, right? Kids, don't slap other kids because you don't want to be slapped. Right? Makes sense. The, the silver rule is, I'm going to leave you alone because I don't want to be bothered. Stay on your side of the line. Growing up with my sisters, there, there weren't any lines, but we always talked about the lines, not to cross the lines. And if you cross the lines... You know, well, bad things happen. We would, we would have slap fights for fun in the back. So it's not just crossing the line. It's like, I'm going to smack my sisters as hard as I can because they like to wear skirts. Uh, bam! Bam, it didn't hurt me as well. Bam, harder, and they go to school. You know, they got handprints all over. Well, then it's sometimes it get worse to where dad had to pull kids out of the car on a country road. And then my sister accidentally smashes her nose on the door getting out and then threatens that she's going to tell the teacher that dad beat you up. And dad's like, that's fine. Uh, they'll take you away. That'll be better for us anyway. <laughs> These are our Thanksgiving dinner conversations, right? If everybody would just stay on their line, though, stay on their side of the line, things would be a lot better. But here the... In that understanding of the golden rule, it is selfish, isn't it? You stay on your side, I'll stay on my side. Let's just leave each other alone. And in some ways, uh, it's easy. I would say selfish. If it, floating, your faith could be floating, or maybe, maybe it's like this. I like my church, my friends are there, I go to church because my family will be mad and it's easier not to deal with that drama. In some ways we, we operate in the system of I'll just go to church so that 
I don't have to deal with the drama later of mom or grandma saying, why don't you go to church? And so we just do this thing because it's easy. We could do this part, uh, this golden rule, really complacent-like. It, it really can be completely non-involved. So easy, it'd be like taking a potato, throwing it in, digging a hole, throw it in the ground, and calling yourself a gardener. You're not a gardener, right? Like it, we have gotten to this point of where, where's that fine line of where I can say, yeah, I'm, I'm following the golden rule and then just be done. We state the silver rule, but it's always in this negative idea. Don't mistreat other people, right? And you, you shouldn't. But it's still committed case to rule, but it's always this type of negative side of the life. It's passive. There, realize this. You can keep the silver rule by doing absolutely nothing. I say this the way we say the golden rule. Like you can actually follow the golden rule by doing absolutely nothing. A hermit could do the golden rule. I just, I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm going to disappear. Never be involved. That way I can never cross the line. I think a lot of us use the golden rule this way. And it sounds good, right? I mean, keep your hands to yourself. Don't be mean to people because you don't want them to be mean to you. But ultimately, this is a selfish act if that's how we're living out the golden rule. It's passive. Here, let's make it more absurd. To be a perfect driver, one who's going to obey the rules of the road, stop driving. Right? I've never got a ticket. But I've never drove, driven my car either. I'm, I'm not impressed. I'm going to be the perfect citizen. I'm going to pay my taxes and leave everybody alone. Yeah, but is that a good member of society? Be the perfect student. I'll just show up, but never talk, never involve myself. Silver rule focuses, I would say, on the law. It becomes this idea of don't, 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 don't. I'm just going to do this list of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do, don't. It just goes on and on and on. Don't do drugs, don't speak to anybody, don't be me, don't drink and drive, don't speed, don't run over people on purpose. It's just it's like it just keeps going that there's I'm not gonna interact with anybody, and I'm I'm following the golden rule. On purpose. Don't don't drive, run over them on purpose. And the reason I say that is because actually in high school, <laughs> uh, we, we had, uh, what's that language? Oh, Spanish. We had Spanish class <laughs> in another town called Macon. I grew up in Mawiqua, and we had this town called Macon. Our, our town didn't have Spanish, so 
they let us travel to this other town and for some reason thought it was okay to let the high school kids carpool to this town, right? Well, we'd go over there, we'd go to class and then come back and we happened to have like 15, 20 minutes extra free time where we didn't have to be at school yet. And so we would drive around town chasing each other. Well, Brad Kaufman's leading. I'm, I'm trying to chase them down the streets. And I don't know what happens when you actually get them. Uh, do I have to, like, run into them, actually? I don't know. I don't even know what we were doing. It's dumb. Anyway, let me finish the story. So we're going, and he goes around this corner by the Catholic Church. You know, goes, goes to the intersection, <laughs> turns right. At the intersection, there's a pole, right? Right there in the corner. And the church, and I see this shortcut through the parking lot. It's basically a road. So I go through it, you know, to, to catch up a little bit quicker, thinking nothing of it. And so we get back to the high school, no big deal. About 10, 15 minutes later, cops show up looking for me and Brad. Apparently... There was a lady on the sidewalk where I had tried cutting through, completely oblivious, didn't know. She thought I was intentionally trying to run her over. I don't know if I'm actually like this close. I, I don't know. I never saw her. But it's, it's one of those things where we get completely off track, no idea what's going on, potentially harming other people, apparently almost running people over. But people will live Christianity this way, oblivious to what's going on because we get stuck in this rut of just doing things that we have always done. I'm going to keep my hands to myself, not be involved because I don't want to hurt anybody and I definitely don't want anybody to hurt me. Listen, leaving people alone is not the definition of good. Leaving people alone does not make you good. Staying on your side of the line is not a definition of goodness. But we've been trained this way, haven't we? And it doesn't make it bad. Again, uh, there are areas where, yeah, leave people alone. But this idea of this, this being easy, I think it's the starting point. Maybe this is your best starting point where I should keep to myself because I tend to hurt people. But I think a lot of us would all admit that maybe our, our faith can get pretty mundane or boring. Passion can be lost. And I even say and challenge it. If your faith seems boring to you, is it possible that you're stuck in this rut? Like you've just kind of kept to yourself, not branching out. I, I would say, no wonder it's not working. I don't think God created you to just be by yourself and not interact with others. It's a good starting point. And so here's what's neat. Jesus says this golden rule, which has been spoken before, but he takes it to a whole new level. He takes it to be more difficult. He says, I want you to actively be good i want you to attempt to do right things even recognizing value and good stuff it's an attitude change 
This is beginning, the beginning of seeing other people correctly. And so here's the second part. That, and if you look at this, it, it's kind of like uh, four stages of faith, right? The first is very easy. I'm going to keep to myself, not interact. I'm not going to slap anybody because I don't want to be slapped. Ultimately, it is a selfish faith, right? I don't want to be hurt. And I get that. But it's the start. The next step is to start actively doing good. But even in that, we go at this golden rule almost selfishly. I'm going to do good to other people because I want them to do good to me. Do you hear it? It's like this Christian karma thing we're trying to build. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. It's still an assumption that whoever I do good to, the idea is that they will then do good to me. They will return the favor. I expect you to do this back to me. I'll do the golden rule as long as it makes things better in my life. Is this where your faith is? I'll do it if it works. If it makes my family better, if it makes my work better, my school better, if it works, I'll do it. And here's what's amazing. When you start looking at this golden rule and what Jesus actually intended to say through it, it is mind-blowing. And I'll get to the big mind-blowing stuff more next week. But uh, if you've ever been skiing in the Midwest, it's not impressive. And you guys know that I like to ski. You go over to uh, Timber Ridge or Paoli, you have about 80 acres of skiable terrain. You got that picture, Mindy? 80 acres, all right? And there's like four chairlifts. It is, it's fun. It's, it's even nice. Pretty cool. Here we are, flatlanders, right? And we get to go skiing, and the vertical drop on this stuff is like 300 feet. So you think 300 feet, like that's three times the size of the steeple out here. That's a big drop. And so a lot of people will, will get into the faith, get into this understanding of who Jesus is and this golden rule, and they'll embrace it. I won't slap other people because I don't want to be slapped. That is a good rule to live by. And so it's almost like Timber Ridge or Paoli. But God wants you to go bigger and deeper and more fun than that. So Josiah and I, we went out to Park City, Utah which I told you about a few months ago, white, white knuckle driving, right? 7,300 acres of skiable terrain. Like Gavin Lathrop was with us and he literally poofed in, we, he was gone, completely gone. Now, I don't know if you can see it, it's almost like a Where's Waldo, but I actually took the Timber Ridge map and I put it on that map. You can't see it. <laughs> like, it's, it's gone. Completely mind-blowing. And so here's what I want to say to you. Jesus' idea for this golden rule is not this little tiny thing of stay to yourself. It is much bigger, 
much more grand than what you could ever realize. And I want to lead you to that. This golden rule moves from being negative to being positive. From a passive faith to an active faith. Is your faith active? Or do you sit back and relax and stay in your own area? Take action and make a difference in others. Right? Doesn't that sound better than staying by yourself? Completely enclosed on your side of the line? Take action and make a difference in others. It's not just about what you don't do. It's also about what you do. Are you active in pursuing good for others? Where are you in this? Are you active in pursuing good in others? That is a heavy question with a lot of action to it. I like uh, the marriage class we've been doing at uh, Sunday school. And maybe this is something I can help you a little bit, just a tidbit, to maybe go to this next level of not just staying to yourself, but actively seeking to do good to others. Came across this question a few weeks ago. For your spouse, here's something that you could ask. That I, It's like, why, why didn't I think about doing this? Is there anything I could do for you today that would make your day better? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, that's, that's a simple question. It might be a really hard answer. <laughs> yeah, mow the lawn and who knows, I don't know, whatever it is. But actively doing good for others. What does that look like daily in your life? Because it's easy, guys, to get stuck in the silver rule of, I'm just going to keep to myself. It's easier, less intrusive, it's more convenient. Is there anything I could do for you today that would make your day better? They, if Christians are known by their love, this might be a good hallmark question that you ask a lot. Not just your spouse, but in this idea of actively loving other people. How can I, what could I do for you? How can I make your day better? See, in this idea of uh, Christianity, I think we get stuck in this idea of, if I just believe all the right things and keep to myself, I'm a good Christian. I'm not sure Jesus thought that. I mean, you could say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's born of a virgin, God is real, and there's a trinity, that Christians are saints, have the Holy Spirit, that I should go to church and Sunday school all the week. Uh, but if you just keep to yourself, I, th I think you've missed it. The whole point of Jesus coming, dying on the cross, was so that you could be set free to do good, to do his kingdom work in this world. I'm sure glad Jesus just didn't keep to himself, right? He had that option. Jesus, God, 
the Holy Spirit, all looking down at humanity, could have said, that's too dirty of a situation. We don't need to involve ourselves in that. Yet he chose to actively do good in our lives. John chapter 20, or John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. Mindy, did I have that one? I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Here's the point, and we're going to jump to it hard next week. Your faith becomes active when you die to yourself. This is the next level. I would say a lot of us can easily be content and complacent and being Christian with really not doing a whole lot. When Jesus said this golden rule, this was supposed to be revolutionary. Like this would literally change everything in your life. Where you are at school, where you are at your workplace, where you are in your family, everything about this golden rule, and you can see it. We start selfishly, and God wants us to kill that selfishness to kill the pride, to literally start emptying ourselves, and to actively seek to do good in other people's life. This idea of this death of this kernel, I want to read to you. This Meyer's commentary says this, My death, however, is necessary to the successful and victorious development of my work. As the wheat corn must fall into the earth and die, in order to bring forth much fruit. For the vital principle in the corn, the germ, forces itself out, thus the corn is dead and becomes prey to disillusion. The life of the corn which has not fallen to the earth remains limited and bound to itself. Without the possibility of a communication and unfolding of life out towards outwards issuing from it such as only follows in the case that corn which dies in the earth though the bursting forth of the living germ and in this way the death produces much fruit when you die to yourself when you serve others life happens i am asking you this week don't be the selfish christian start looking at this golden rule how can i actively do good in others. So you all got a little ruler, right, when you came in? We spent a lot of money on that. Here's your assignment this week. I'm asking for you to just write one thing down on the golden rule on the back and bring it back next week. One thing where you, I want you to actively, I want you to, I want you to think, what is one good thing I could do for somebody else this week? Right? I want you to do that and bring that card back next to, with you next week. If you lose that card, we're going to spend more money and make more copies of that fancy golden ruler in case you forget to fill it out again next week. But we want you to bring that one back next week. So your invitation is almost like this. Let's practice doing good this week. Bring it back as proof. Right? 
And now we'll, we'll go through that next week. But I want you to actively seek to do good. And here's why we do this. Jesus did it for us. Jesus is actively seeking to do good. He promises his abundant life, this death, burial, and resurrection for us. We celebrate it every week. And what better way to respond than to actively live our lives the way Jesus did? Let's pray. God, help us to, to break out of our rut of just doing our, our walk with you the way we've always had. God, to start trying more, to be more active in our faith, seeking to do good. So God, help us to, to really press in, to understand what you have called us to do, and to be willing to do it. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.